Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to We Got Balls. And uh, Scott, you got a brand new mic, dude. It looks awesome. How do you sound? Give us give us some soul treats. I moves. feel like a professional prod broadcaster <laughs> broadcaster it's a new term very very appropriate for we got balls prodding all right guys uh, get your prod out because pod, we're broadcasting podcaster <laughs> well scott i was uh you know as i tend to do i tend to scroll around in the news and i saw something very interesting yesterday that happened in venice italy what was that well um there's a story about kanye west you know the rapper uh-huh. uh used to be married to kim kardashian now he is uh in a relationship with uh, someone that used to he used to work with his Yeezy shoe line, but the story was interesting because he was on a boat in the canals of Venice getting a blowjob, and of course all the news outlets were like not safe for work pictures, and you know you didn't didn't have his dick out just hanging and wagging in the wind. He was on the boat. You could see his backside. You could you if if you were a man, you know what's going on. You could tell it. But for some reason, Kanye's got a thing for public sex. He 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 likes the thrill. He likes the danger. He likes the arousal that comes with being sexual in a public place. And this was a very public place, crowded canal. There's multiple pictures and videos of this happening. This is not like a secret. He wanted people to see it um, for some reason. So what's going on with that? Why would anybody want to be sexual in a public place? Well, the first question I have is, is that an upgraded charge on the taxi? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, literally the driver of the water taxi was staring at him the whole time going, well, this is Kanye. I guess, what do you do? Well, you know, that's not the first time that's happened probably in Venice. You're right. You're right. You're right. We know that's not the first time that's ever happened in a taxi. Like taxi drivers have stories to tell, but so um, what is it about public sex and, and, there's a distinction here. There's, there's two kinds of public sex. There's public kind of where you have a much higher risk of exposure, like mm-hmm. doing it on a water taxi yeah. in Venice. And then there's outdoor. Okay. So, uh, which do so you, that would to- be like in a, in a public place risking exposure, but you, 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 it starts maybe as you're alone and you have some quote unquote privacy, but you might get caught. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, maybe, or maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's you're okay. camping or whatever. Ah, right. okay. So out in the wilderness. So what so, do you want to, yeah. what do you want to talk about? Because they're two really, actually, they're two different types of outdoor activity. I think the public one um, is a little more um, about maybe voyeurism, uh, exhibitionism, whereas just outdoor maybe has a lot of other different flavors Outdoor meaning like I'm doing it on a beach, I'm doing it in the mountains, um, whatever. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about the voyeurism piece first, because I think um, it, it's it is an aspect that um, maybe some people are like, hell no, never doing that. That's not in my arousal template. I'm not going to go there. And then there may be some people that are like, yeah, uh, I, I want to risk that. I would love to have sex on the beach, or I would I would love. Um, so it's like, you know, hell yeah, I, w- I want to be in a place, maybe I'll get caught. Maybe this is dangerous. Like dangerous sex is something that's very arousing to somebody. So let's kind of talk about that first, and then we can switch over to just having sex in a, p- a public place 
uh, and, and talk about what, what that is all about. Yeah, okay. So um, let's think about this again in terms of our arousal kind of categories. We think about visual cued sexual interests mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's seen breasts, chests, butts, feet, penises. Um, let, let's just kind of dissect the Kanye incident uh, using that framework. Um, the second element is the psychological cues. You know, what's driving the, the behavior yep. from my psychological dynamics? And the yep. third one is the narrative cues, the story cues, like what's being driven about my own personal experience, my autobiographical narrative that's showing up in how I'm being aroused and how I'm wanting to engage in the sexual experience. So first one, let's talk about outdoor sex. Obviously, in this story with Kanye, he's exposing his penis. You said yeah. we saw his butt. So his there's there's visual cued sexual interests at play here. Well, I think there's also when we talk about faces, faces is on the the, the physical cues. He's looking around at everybody else looking at him. Yes. So th th there is that danger of I'm being seen and noticed. And, you know, I'm sitting there with my with my pants down on the back of a boat. And occasionally <laughs> you see a see a head popping up and down. And if anybody is a human being, you know what's going on. There's a blowjob going on right there. And yet he's not looking at her. He's looking around at everybody else. So let me ask you a question about Kanye, because yeah. I think he's a public figure. We can kind of analyze yeah. some of the things he's done. Who, who, who has confessed to having uh, porn issues and struggling sexually. All right. That's not, that's not particularly what I was going to ask about. Yeah. Do, do you view Kanye as a person that particularly seems to want a lot of attention? Yes. So do I. Yes. Like, yes. there is an aspect of how he presents himself in public, and I'm sure he does this in private, too, is like, look at me, look at me, look yes. at me. I mean, he interrupted Taylor Swift in the midst of a concert, goes up on stage and starts yeah. rapping, right? And he is- Well, no, he, he ranted that, that Beyonce got robbed. Oh, oh, oh. oh. And, 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 that's, and that's, so it's, it's this idea of, but yet he, he decided to get up on stage and make that proclamation. So I think when we're talking about this uh, voyeuristic attention getting sex act, I think there is a huge element to that, which is, you know, I want people to look at me and see me and notice me. And, you know, I know it's forbidden. I know it's taboo, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. And so Kanye is going to the lengths of pulling his penis out, having an erection and having his wife perform oral sex on him in public. That's how desperate he is to get people to pay attention to him. So, And, and I'll, I'll say this, his wife had a friend on the boat who was standing five feet from them watching the whole thing happen. So even more voyeuristic. Awkward. Yes. I mean, yes, you know. exactly. Well, I mean, you know, that's Kanye. So that she's like, Oh, there goes Kanye. Looking for a boat ride and get a blowjob, honey. Yeah, that's, that's it. Um, so, you know, I feel, I feel like a tenderness for the guy. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sitting here trying to shame him or criticize him no. because I think what he's, he's saying is I didn't get a lot of, uh, Nobody really was seeing me growing up. And so yeah. now that I'm in the spotlight, I want to be seen as much as possible. And, you know, frankly, I can identify with that. Um, I think that's what drives sexting. I think it's what drives mm -hmm. exhibitionism. And, and the flip side of voyeurism is wanting to watch people. Like, I didn't get to see enough of that intimacy growing up is the flip side of that right. coin. So those are not just visual cued sexual interests. Now we're getting into the psychological dynamics of feeling, you know, growing up in a place in a home where 
nobody was paying attention to me. And mm -hmm. so that ties into my narrative. My story is what went on in my life that leads me to want to exhibit myself in a sexual situation like this. Mm. I, I think the other psychological dynamics of public sex is obviously that the thrill and the risk factor of being caught. But in this case, Kanye didn't really care about being caught. He's wanting to be seen, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. the risk dynamic wasn't so much in play there. I think it was more about doing something forbidden. He was transgressing a social norm by having sex out in the open. So right. in general, we tend to have sex in private, uh, which is ironic because of the amount of pornography people use. You're watching other people have sex in private while you're having sex with yourself usually. But it has that illusion of the privacy that most people engage when they, when they have actual sex with a partner. They're doing it in private. They're not doing it to kind of display that part of their life out in the well, open. Well, no, I, th I think it gets to the heart of it, though, is that, you know, ultimately sex is a connective act. And so when you're having sex, you do it in private, you're focusing on connecting with that person ideally. Now, we all know that we objectify other people and think about other things while sex is going on. And there's a struggle to, to maintain that connective intimacy. Again, we use that word for sex, but really that word just means connection and affection and, and bonding and attachment and all those psychological words that we use so uh, frequently. But you, you look at, it's almost like Kanye is attaching himself to the experience of being seen more than he's attaching himself to the experience of being with his wife. Well, so we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in the podcast, uh, particularly related to me and my collections of seashells and, and, yeah spaceships and so on for me. And I think for a lot of guys that have struggled with sexual addiction, sex becomes an object that we have a yes. relationship with instead of having sex in the confines of a relationship. So, you know, Patrick Carnes is famous for coming up with this uh, model that basically says a sex addict struggles with four things. I'm a bad, worthless person. If anybody knows what I'm really like, I'll be rejected. Nobody meets my needs, so I got to take care of them myself. And sex is my most important need. So you could wow, that's it. like that's like the playbook for public sex. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. so, so somebody that's engaged in this basically is boiled down to having a relationship with sex itself. So sex is an object; it's not mm. really the person that I'm mm. having a relationship with. It's the idea of sex. So. That's why he can do something that's very, like most of us, I think, would see getting a, a blowjob in public as a very transactional act. If we're, yep. if we're displaying it like that, like it's just a transaction. And so that shows you how kind of objectified he is around his own body, as well as his wife's body. It's just mm -hmm. a bunch of objects to him. So it's just, it's just uh, a, a piece of meat in a hole, yeah. essentially. Is what so that yeah. that to me is an indication of a lot of harm, a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of woundedness in his life that he's trying to work out in a sexual way, which he's not going to find a resolution for that there because it's right. an, at the at the root, it's an intimacy emotional problem that he's struggling with. Um, so let's let's kind of transition from that kind of transgressive public display of sexuality, kind of the exhibitionist voyeuristic piece of it, which may still be at play in a lot of these to just kind of the category of outdoor as well. Because in looking at this, there was some really fascinating 
information in the in the Pornhub top search and top view data for 2022 that that we keep referring to. Yep, we're going Let's, to the encyclopedia, the encyclopedia of sex as of 2023. The, the video sex encyclopedia. Video. So sex this category, outdoor as a category, which includes a lot of different subjects that I'll talk about, but it it grew by 121% last year to be the fourth most popular category in terms of search worldwide. It was uh, in the top 10 in 19 of the top 20 countries for viewership for Pornhub. Okay. So their interesting um, connection to that was this is coming on the heels of COVID lockdown where everybody's mm -hmm. huddled up in their houses. And now that that's over, we can get out. Let's go out and play, baby. Let's get out. And, you know, and, and so I, I would think, again, they don't break this down particularly by category outdoor as a general category, but we are talking less of the, um, I mean, in any part of public sex, there's the risk of exposure, the, the desire for attention, the shame element is, is always going to be there, but, but there may just be the adventure piece of this too. Is like, I want to have sex in a different place. Yeah. And that's not, that's novelty and adventure, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, who cannot relate to that? I think yeah. if you read kind of any books on keeping marriages alive sexually and doing fun things in marriage and in sex, you're going to find a lot of recommendations to spice things up by having sex in different locations and maybe public doing it outdoors on a beach, on a mountain trail, somewhere where, you know, you're at a lower risk of being caught, but it's still got that element. It could be fun. I've done it. <laughs> so. Well, the, the number one and number two uh, human needs are security and novelty. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's the balance of how do we keep the security of physical connection and intimacy while at the same time spicing things up and having that variety. So this definitely is falls secure, falls squarely in the, in the novelty care category uh, so what else does it say about um, public sex in the in the research? Well, yeah. so outdoor is the is the broader category. Public was the twenty most twentieth most searched for term, but the real popular terms that are under this broad category are outdoor sex, outdoor anal, outdoor cruising, outdoor cream pie, outdoor quickie. Here's the interesting thing: um, there's, they dive down into kind of some demographics. On, on who is actually searching for this, women view outdoor videos 11% more than men. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So I wish, I wish we were a female sexual arousal podcast. We would dive deep into that one, but we'll just observe and say, hmm. So I, I do have a theory on that. I think it's more about the romanticism of the location for females. Okay. And so that's what they're beautiful location, attractive mm -hmm. experiences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's fueled some by romance novels and that kind of stuff. For, for sure. For sure. Lifetime movies, stuff like that. Um, but with gay men, it is, um, the gay men view this category way more than non-gay viewers and they like camping to a degree that it's um, 549% more searched for by gay men camping than by non-gay men. All right. So can we break down the, the, the camping motif? Well, why, why with 
same sex attracted guys, does the camping thing seem to like push a button and say, man, this is an ideal place to connect? Well, let, let's think about it from the standpoint of um, kind of narrative and, and yeah. other psychological dynamics. Okay. I think camping represents a really guy activity. It's manly. Okay. So, so it's masculine. There's, there's a lot of dudes hanging out around the fire. Yep. Cooking food, having adventures. Yeah. I mean, you, you can relate to this. I can relate to this. Some of the coolest moments of bonding with other guys have been on campouts mm-hmm. or at youth camps or things like that, where you're just sitting around the fire and there's a lot of vulnerability and then you're spending the night with another guy and you're talking through the night. There's a lot of tenderness. There's a mm-hmm. lot of mutual care for each other. You're, the guards are down. And I think there's a fondness for that activity of kind of male bonding that then takes it maybe to a sexual standpoint, just from the standpoint of wanting to be closer and more intimate with other guys. But I think there's also probably a psychological dynamic of a reenactment, maybe yeah. of past harm. So maybe yeah. when you start digging into a lot of guys' stories of sexual abuse, you'll find out that oftentimes a camp out or a youth camp or Boy Scouts, you know, Boy Scout leader was the setting for where they were sexually abused in the first place. Mm. And so this can become a real, without them really knowing it, um, a reenactment. I'll just tell you a story of a guy that I coached and his arousal template was driven specifically around masturbating with other guys. He wouldn't have anal sex. He wouldn't have oral sex. He just wanted to get together and masturbate with other guys. And I'm like, well, tell me when you're, what was your first sexual experience? And, and in the context of growing up, feeling really isolated from his dad and other guys, the most rewarding experience that he had as a, as a young guy going into puberty was a camp out with a bunch of other guys where they started masturbating together and comparing mm-hmm. erections and you know seeing how far each could ejaculate and so on and it was a enlivening experience for this guy mm. and he's telling me about it and I can say man there was a lot that that event made you come alive didn't it he goes yeah i really did and i'm like so every time you go and act out with another guy you're basically going back into that tent aren't you you're looking for that mm. sense of belonging and connection and being one of the guys and he's like that's absolutely right yeah so so just 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 to remind us and 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 we'll come back to this one of the reasons why it's so important to talk about these things is because he was looking for something good he was looking for a place of care and mutuality now it turned sexual which was in that dynamic um left an imprint of what that meant. And obviously when he became a a sexual adult and was looking to reenact that experience, he came back to that as a reservoir of care, but also excitement and adventure. But I think when we're we're talking about all these things, you know, the goal is, is, is not to, to really say, this is a bad thing. You shouldn't do it. Um, We talked about that on a previous episode about what's the worst kind of porn. There are no worst kinds of porn. Porn is simply looking into a piece of my soul that I haven't dealt with and I haven't grieved. And it wasn't the camp out that was harmful. Most people think that's the bad place. Where was, where was the harm, Scott? 
the harm was what happened before the camp out. It was having a relationship with his dad, ultimately, that sets him up for feeling alienated from masculinity and relating and belonging with other guys. And then when he does get it, it's this fusion of belonging and sexuality. Yeah. So it's coming so, into that vacuum of attention and affection that his father really is responsible for leaving in his heart. So there's there's the abuse before the abuse, like we yeah. like to say. There's always the abuse before the abuse proper. So even though this situation was the guy enters into it mutually, and you can't really say that it's probably sexually abusive, although digging into the details, it may have been. It may have been an older guy who was more sexually experienced than all the younger guys saying, hey, do you guys know how to masturbate? Let me show you. And he pulls his pants down. So, Well, no matter what, it was harmful because it was an exposure and an arousal that led to a compulsive behavior that he did not understand. Right. So and, he, you know, he's alone yeah. before the experience, which yes. sets him up for the experience being really enlivening. But then what's he do after the experience? What did he do? Who? When, when you had that experience and you went back and told your dad and your mom about it, how did they react? Oh, I never told them. Why not? Never, never. But what did he do? Search online for camping porn yes. at some point. Yes. And, and so then you have that isolating experience. And so that's when that's, that's what we're talking about with this idea of, of this public sex is it, it is one of the most powerful versions of, shame creating compulsive behavior because you're looking for something that has a very high risk of exposure. And the one thing that people who are struggling with these compulsive behaviors, they don't want, but they really want is to be seen. I don't want to be seen in my shame, but I want somebody to see me in my hurt, in my pain. And th that's what I think drives exhibitionism a lot is there's an early story of shame around sexuality, mm -hmm. around my penis or whatever. So what I'm doing to try to get rid of that shame is to just go right into it, but, but just putting it out there and turning what was an object of harm into a source of attention and gratification for me. Yeah. It, it's my yeah. and, and comfort because it, it, it is a self-soothing. It's I find some level of comfort. It's not ultimately going to bring me peace, but it's going to soothe the wound a little bit. Yeah, right. So it's salve, but it's going to get washed off pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, also, the novelty drives it. So, you know, for a lot of guys, if they had an experience out in the woods, camping with a bunch of buddies, doing this kind of mutual masturbation type of thing or whatever, then that may be their first sexual experience. So the novelty of that, the adventure of mm. the place where it's occurring, mm. bonding of doing that with other guys, there's a lot of vasopressin in that because men bond with that vasopressin mm. again. And so when men are doing things together, like camping, setting up a camp, there's a little bit of competition who can get their camp, their tent up first, blah, 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 blah. And then they also take it into the asexual arena. You've got all this complex mix of factors that come together that make that a really indelible experience in somebody's heart. Yeah. And so I think it was, it was memorialized. If you've ever seen the movie Brokeback Mountain, uh, that's how the two characters in Brokeback Mountain would connect. They would say, we're going on a fishing trip and they would drive States away to meet up in Montana where they had had this experience up on Brokeback Mountain and fish near the mountain. And it would be uh, the adventure of go, you know, we, we do the things that bring us adventure, not in the moment, but what we can anticipate adventure for happening hmm. there. So I, I, I want to be wanted. I know as I drive up, as I long for this, 
I can have this experience, this rendezvous. Um, you know, yeah, it's it, it's great to have connection day in and day out, but we get tired of that because that becomes the norm rather than having something else. So when we're talking about that novelty piece. It's really, really powerful on a sexual level to say, I get to go out in the woods. I get to go have an experience with somebody else. I get to tell a story, uh, maybe not to a bunch of people, but to a few people of my sexual gratification and connection. And that becomes really intoxicating. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I'm, as we're talking about this now, I'm thinking about, I went to the, um, men's recovery week put on by the Allender Center every year for men who have been sexually abused. I went to that this May and it's out in a very secluded location in the Seattle area, beautiful in the, in the uh, Olympic mountains. You're at a retreat center. So you're off by yourself. There's 20 other guys there, including, you know, the therapist. And it was a really special week of bonding with other guys over our shared stories of sexual abuse and being able to be very intimate and vulnerable in that environment and build connections that I'm still maintaining, you know, months later. And um, I think we need that in our lives. I think we long for those types of things. And when you don't have them, it's easy for these kind of artificial ways of connecting to really fill that role. Like if, if I've grow up in a family where my dad never has time to take me camping, but I'm out with my Boy Scout leader and he's teaching me how to be a man. And mm-hmm. part of that is, hey, let me teach you how to masturbate. You can see why that becomes a really bonding experience for a guy. So Scott, that, that hits to the heart of this issue, which is how does a man become a man? And in, in the research, uh, you can look at Richard Rohr and many of uh, other psychological researchers who, who've done uh, work on this. Where what is the environment where a man becomes a man? Outdoors, it's isn't in, it? It's in nature. It's in nature. It is the challenges that the normal challenges of life, life, death, survival, uh, identity, connecting with mystery, all those things that are in that outdoor environment. And here we have in a sexual experience, whether it's risky behavior, abusive behavior that's reenacted. Or just initiation. I mean, you, what, what you just said, my dad didn't teach me how to camp, but my Boy Scout leader did. And by the way, he showed me his penis and asked me to suck it. Fictitious, fictitious story for us. I'm sure that's happened. Oh, definitely. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we're not knocking the Boy Scouts. It, it could have happened in any environment. Uh, so, uh, but, but we have this, that becomes an initiation. That's how that boy becomes a man. So true. And so and so it it really ingrains that experience in him that I have to have this to be a man. If I don't go camping, if I don't give somebody a blowjob, if I don't have this ex- sexual experience in this environment, I don't feel like a man. Let me because let, that's what's in the body. Let me take it even a little further, okay? Because we we believe uh, we're, we're coming from a Christian perspective here. We believe that God created Adam and Eve naked in a garden. Yeah, and they were having sex in that garden while they were working, putting down the rakes and going, let's go at it. So they're out in nature having sex. There's a freedom, Mm -hmm. you know, the the word they were naked and unashamed is used. So there's this sense of complete freedom to be who I am, to be seen as who I am and to enjoy my body while I'm enjoying your body and you're enjoying my body in a natural setting that God has created. And frankly, that's repeated throughout the scriptures in a lot of places. Isaac 
there's a story about Isaac was sporting with Rebecca and the word sporting in Hebrew actually means he was engaged in foreplay because the pagan king looks out and sees him sporting with this woman who's supposed to be his sister. And he goes, that's not your sister. (laughs) Yeah. You're doing stuff. I mean, let's just be real until a couple hundred years ago where people could have houses where there were multiple rooms and where, you know, you, you were able to segregate and have privacy. There was no such thing as privacy. Yeah. All sex was essentially public in some senses. If there were children, that it would be there. So, um, uh, again, th- we're not shaming it. We're just simply saying this is a dynamic that has a particular set <clears throat> of arousal pieces that if this turns you on, these are the questions you can ask and get curious about what was not going on in your story before you begin to experience this type of desire. And I I think there's aspects of this too, that as you look at your, if you find there's behavior going on in your life, that's really disturbing. It seems out of control. You seem really compelled by it. I think you need to be inquisitive and curious about that. Like, when did that start? Where are the stories in my life where this becomes a big thing in my life? But there's another piece of this that I think we can really bless too. And that is there is some joy and there is some delight about uh, experiencing this freedom and this being naked and unashamed in a natural setting. And there's nothing wrong. We're not stigmatized. We're not saying there's anything wrong with that. If you want to enjoy that with your wife. Um, In fact, having sex while camping is one of my favorite. (laughs) That's one of my all-time favorite things. And there's not really a story around it other than I've had really intimate times with my wife while camping. It's been a fun time. So So stay tuned for the public nudity uh, (laughs) episode because I think there is something there. Again, we're not shaming public nudity. We're not shaming nudity. We're just, we're talking about compulsivity around public sex. Yeah. So as we, as we consider those things, um, guys, if, if that's something that you're uh, walking through and working with, um, we encourage you to reach out to us. We've got some exciting things coming down the line. Um, we, we putting on, uh, our social media and uh, YouTube page, some announcements about upcoming online and in-person opportunities to do this arousal template work. We, we want you to move into your healing journey by dealing specifically with these arousal template dynamics in a group setting. We strongly believe that group work is the, is the thing that really transforms. It's great to go see a therapist. We, we, we're all for therapy, but one set of eyes, one brain really doesn't help a lot with the shame. It helps a little, but not a lot. That group work really does transform your experience because oftentimes the harm that you suffered, you suffered alone. And so we want to redeem that by having an opportunity for you to have that harm seen, known, loved, and reformed, redeemed in the sight of many compassionate friends who can care for you in your hurt. So if that's where you are, we invite you to check out uh, the notes below or uh, the end credits. You can go to the websites that Scott and I mutually run. Reach out to either of us. We'd love to talk to you, have a conversation about how we can help and get you in into the next step of your recovery journey. So, so fellas, thanks for joining us on this episode of we've got balls. That's not, that's not, it's not, we've got balls. What? <laughs> it's not, we've got, 
There's no okay. apostrophe V-E in it's just we got balls. Thanks for joining us on this episode of We Got Balls. So do you. Take care, guys. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at pornfreemasculinity.com and with Scott at successfulmen.com.